where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to This Is Happening. This is Nathan Streifel. And this is Eric Morris. Well, today, this is very special for me personally because we have a really dear old friend. Not that oh, she's wait, old. Wait, wait. Not that she's old. I'm An old, old relationship between But no, it's been a, a long, back. sorry, long time friend. Season, we go season, season friendship. A seasoned friendship with Victoria Harwood Butler Sloss. Many names there. Yes. She might. There's, she has other names. She might yeah. tell us some of those other names. Um, Victoria is an author who has recently come out with her debut novel, right. um, The Seamstress of Orpha, mm-hmm. which we will be talking about. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful story um, inspired by generations of her family. That's right. Um, and it, it's really lovely. We've read the book, and we'll talk about it. Um, but her origins are as a dancer and an actress in the UK, in London. She went to RADA. She did a lot of films, television, theater. We'll talk about that. Um, she does voiceover work, and she is just all around a lovely person. Victoria, welcome. Hello. Thank welcome. you for having me. <laughs> I feel kind of like I, after reading your book, it's like, you know you get a little bit of the author in you. I feel like I've been living with you for a minute, even though I haven't met you before. Do you know... Well, it's generations of her family. Yeah, but um, a few people said to me that they they called me up and they said, I've just been reading your book and I've been dreaming and I've been having all these dreams and I'm kind of Mm -hmm. like in that world. I thought that was a wonderful... um, It is, and the characters in the book dream and talk about dreams and things that they dreamed about. That's true. I didn't Um, think about that. So it really does kind of weave it, and especially like you know, I read it mostly, you know, before going to bed, you Mm. know, with it on my nightstand, and so then I would you know put it Mm. down and just and then dream away. And I haven't been remembering my dreams lately. I might have been dreaming about your book and you. Mm. I don't know, but. it is a lovely experience. It's beautifully written. Thank you. Um, and I should say, you know, I actually, <laughs> I attended one of your book readings recently, yeah. and um, you kind of introduced me as, you know, someone who's like, one of the first people to not read my book was Eric Morris. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, yeah, because it was when it was in the early stages. But that, You that gave was me a, a manuscript I, that was, was the, a, all, three the, whole books, tri- yeah. the whole trilogy. So it was this yeah. book, which is quite... You know, which is yeah. long, but then it was a th- a second book and then a third book. I mean, I gave that... you the whole thing. I hadn't cut it into three books at the time. And I think what I did, and I that's read... when I realized gotcha. I was like, hmm, I you know, read people quite just... a bit of it, but it did take me a while. And you yeah. kind of got back to me and said, "You've had it a month. I need it back," or yeah. something like that. And I was just like, "Okay." So then we made yeah. an arrangement for me to come see you, and I just said, "Listen, I, I can't." This beautiful <laughs> writing. I was like, "This is really beautiful," but yeah. it's so dense, and there's so many characters, and there's so many centuries that you're yeah. talking about that I just couldn't get through it. I wanted to, yeah. and I guess, and I think you took from that is, and I'm, I'm, I know I wasn't the only person to say this, but. Um, it just, it was too much for one book. It was too much for one book. And I started the first, one of the first stages I went through was trying to 
cut it all down. I thought, right, there's like 1,500 pages. Let's like kind of make it 900. Right, right. And, uh, there 1,500 was, pages is a lot. Yeah, and then, then I went into this whole... I mean, there were so many different exercises. At one point, I, I just took all the words and out. <laughs> and uh, and so that'll do of, it. That'll, yeah, that'll get like, you down to like a fighting point. Fourteen hundred and seventy-five pages. <laughs> because no, instead of saying um, uh, she came into the room and sat down, I would say she came into the room, sat down. Reached for a glass, comma, drank it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's your style now. She yes. into room, <laughs> sit, yes. look, walk. Yes. Like, oh, like I even spare. did that at one point, and the then I. Orpha is spare. Mm. It's very spare. <laughs> so, but I mean, I went back and I had uh, so many different versions. And in fact, my favorite version mm-hmm. was, I think, uh, the third version, where this is like 11 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stayed more true to how they were, you know, just smaller changes came on. From 3 but, to 11, yes, kind but, of started to get refining. Yeah, but what was really interesting was at the time of Eric, at the time of Eric, <laughs> <laughs> I realized Sounds that like a uh, this is just too big. So first of all, I tried to cut it down and then I spent like two years trying to cut it down. Then I went, fuck that, pardon, can I say that? Yes, yes. Oh, so, you can say literally. We're extremely anything. explicit on the yeah. podcast. Right. So uh, put everything back. So I then went and shoved everything back in it and I said I'm going to just cut it into three that's and smart so trilogies are, are really yeah. good I think humans take in trilogies really well yeah. I think it's a natural kind of yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a proven literary gambit yeah. what, what inspired you to write a book uh, were you writing before this yes I wrote journals from a long time ago but mm. then when I was at drama school I had this amazing teacher called David Mowat and he was like you've got to write down everything you've got to write down everything it's like food for, for later on mm. so that summer I went and my grandmother had always told me stories and every summer I used to go back to Cyprus which is where I'm from where I grew up and instead of just listening to her stories this time, I said, well, I'll write them. So I wrote them all into my diary. She spoke in Armenian and I translated them. So then I had the stories sitting there for a long time. And when I first moved here... Did you grow up speaking Armenian? Mm, that's interesting because I did. And then we got told to stop speaking Armenian because we went to school in England. And the mm. teachers were like... You know, speak English. Yeah, you're confused. And I, I remember them coming and saying that to my mother about my brother. He's confused because he starts talking one language and then switches into another. And I was like, but mom, that means they're confused. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, And they absolutely. were like, but she was like, no, we have to. So my Armenian is sounds actually, when I talk, I sound like a, a five-year-old girl. Mm. Like That's I the say, same with my, my mother's Lithuanian. Really? I mean, my mother was born in Lithuania and then came here during the war, and um, but was, you know, eight when right. she got here. Yeah. And her vocabulary basically froze at that right. moment. She's fluent. Well, yeah. no, she's The listening passed, interpretation is fluent. Uh-huh. She was fluent. Yeah. But, yeah. Her, but she, you know, when she, would, when she went back there or would speak to someone else, like, the way she expressed herself was very childlike, and if right. people would say like a sophisticated political or ideological idea, she would be she'd be like, 
oh, okay, I know what you mean, but yeah. but she wouldn't be able to say it necessarily. Me no know how to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or you say things thing. like, I'm I'm going bye-byes instead of I'm going to bed. Or, yeah. you know, oh, right. I've got a tummy ache instead yeah. of my stomach hurts. It's a very simple yeah. way mm. of talking. Oh, yeah. that's kind of sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you took, that's a lovely thing to have done, though, is to take mm. down your grandmother's stories. And then, yeah, so I wrote them, and they sat there for a long, I would say for like 10 years. Mm. Because it really, it kind of has to be that. I mean, this is so detailed. Mm. Um, I mean, and so fully imagined in all of the characters in their heads, you mm. know. Um, a lot of that, obviously, is you and, and your, yeah. you know, your writing and your imagination. But but the expanse and the history and the things that have to be based on fact. You know, yeah, in I terms did a of lot people, of research. Where people lived. Did you go to Orpha? No, I I wanted to, um, but I thought that the Armenia and the Orpha that I was writing about is no longer is no longer there. And this is a really interesting side story because I drew this map in the front here. Yeah, and I only drew it recently, but when I first started writing, I couldn't find a map, couldn't find a picture, couldn't find anything of Orpha. Um, we didn't even have Google Maps then, oh. and um, so I wrote. I got a had a pen drawing, so like the mountains from a description. The mountains are there. The wheat fields are here. There's a river that does this, and that the Assyrians live here. The Armenians live there, and I found that line drawing when I was trying to do this map. And now there's a website, and there is a map from these two old old men who. Re- remembered the whole Armenian quarter and everything, and they redid the map. And I looked at it against the line drawing, and it matched. So then I went to the photographs, the black and white photographs, and I could see from where I'm standing, and then I could see everything. So I could actually see it. And now there is Google Maps. So at one point I talk about the Battle of Orpha, where right. nearly all of the Armenian quarter is burnt down. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the map, and then you look at Google Maps, that whole area is now green. It's a forest. So it's wow. gone. It's wiped. Right. The, so, the city was destroyed. Yeah. So it's Wait, so this entire village that this whole book is set in, yeah. no long, if you went there, it would you, just you be would a, see You would see a lot of it, but a lot of the places that are described were burnt down. Do you know a, if the pink house still exists? The, a large part of the book... Um, I don't for know. listeners, takes yes. place in this one specific house. Yeah. The yes, fa- the pink house. The family um, has achieved enough prosperity to yes. to move out of their kind of more um, basic basic house, yes. and they they get kind of a grander house, and yes. it's where they kind of come into their own. The pink house actually is is a is a is my imagination. But I have the dream of this house all the time. And in fact, mm. it was really weird because did you see that film? Was it called The, the Mother? Oh, With Mother? Yeah, 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 um, With uh, Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, about the house. They bought this new house and then yes, all of the people like, came. Yes, and crazy at the end. Okay, yeah. so, but now that dream, that mm. film almost, I have that dream a lot. Where I'm in this amazing house, but then behind the house... Like in the far behind the fireplace, there's another room or there's a hidden corner or mm. a thing. So the pink house is a house that I have 
dreamt about for years and years and years. Well, I think also, don't you say Katoon. that Katoon is like, I've dreamt about this house when she walks yeah. through Well, she, I'm a writer, so I made yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> she, she dreamt about the house, and then yes. her like, old childhood friend who regrets yes. not being her suitor yes. um, finds the house Yes, and she's her. like, oh my God, I recognize and this house. And she's also pregnant, I think. Yes. I dreamed yes. of a house where I walked down the halls, and then yes. there's just more and more. So he, and yes. so he's yes. like, don't... You know, you can see it later, and she yeah. kind of says, "I don't need to. I've seen yeah. it in my dreams," yes. which is beautiful. Yeah, she and and that house. I don't know why, and how I described it. There was a time where I took out this whole chapter of her where she walks through the house and she walks past everyone's bedrooms, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm going to," you know, in my quest to cut down, I was like, "Okay, that can all go." So I threw it all out, <laughs> and then uh, later on, I put it all back in again because I was like, for some reason, I felt duty bound to kind of really describe the house in detail like well, the you, soot on the walls the way the you do you you really lay out like the next stage of this family's life you know because yeah. you expl- explain what's going to happen what they're going to use the rooms for yeah. and it's just and you see and they sort of become imprisoned in there they as do, well they do they yeah. do yes but yes. for that initial moment that enables her to Expand her business yeah. and and um, and kind of grow the family's prosperity before that takes a turn. The the first yeah. chapter of the book takes yes. place in much 1968. later, and yes. you are one of the characters in I the am. first chapter. I am. That's me. That's my. That's young meeting sweetie. your yes. great grandmother, who is really the central yes. character. Yes, and in fact, in reality, I had met them before, but I was young, and didn't really remember them, or can't remember them clearly. But this meeting was where I felt I really met them for the first time. And it took place mm. in Cyprus? Yes, we yeah. went to Cyprus uh, for a summer vacation, and then we moved. After that summer vacation, we moved there. And where was she living? Was she living in Cyprus? She was living there, and I knew her till she yeah. was, till I was 18. She died when I was 18. That's really amazing to have a great-grandmother. Yeah. Really a great-grandmother who lived with us, yes. We oh. all lived together. And my grandmother and so my grandfather. So it's very natural that you would write a book like this, which yes. is so steeped in generations, because your earliest life, you were just, you had four generations of a family living, living under together. under one roof, it's yes. It's amazing. Yeah. What, what made you decide to kind of open it up that way? I don't and know. then go back. Oh. Um, As kind of this introductory thing. <coughs> the whole thing, when I had the after the Eric years, <laughs> uh, when I went to the... When I, <laughs> when Those I, were both the best years. The, Eric, the Eric years will come in the fourth book. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Post-Eric years yeah. are often really people's best years. Um, what, I, what I originally did was have, um, when I split it into three, I had my story weaving all the way through. Mm, and what gotcha. happens is that, okay, we have this initial meeting, but then I take you back to, right, I'm being born. And then my story followed all three books. So by the end of the third book, you'd gone from... 1895 all the way through up to 1960 and I was just about to be born 
which would have taken you back to the beginning of the first book. And I was like, oh, this is so clever. I'm so fucking clever. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was <laughs> and I, I love how much of a fan you are of your writing. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, this is good. Like, no, I, I did yes, it. Yes, and I gave, it, I gave that version to my, my really good friend, Marilyn. I think I introduced you to Marilyn once in London. Didn't you go and see Marilyn? Yeah, no. I think so. She, she's a really good old friend of mine, and she read it. She said, darling, love it, love it, love it. Oh, very magical <laughs> and I'm like Shh, that's it I'm fucked because if she likes it because we both like very we'll go and sit for nine hours and watch the idiots in Russian <laughs> or, or something you know like this so, so I deeply thought, uncommercial things. yes if yeah. she likes it it's because she's um, she loves things that are and, and we both do that are kind of off the the beaten track a bit. gotcha you're like oh this is going to be a commercial failure and I, yeah, exactly I was like it has like, to change and <laughs> I, I got a, a, a literary agent in London who had been a, an editor at um, Little Brown and Virago and she she just basically she loved the book she said I love it we're going to do it so I was like great and it just came back with like all of those chapters so it was like whoosh, whoosh, you know slash 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 was that your first experience with an editor yeah what was yeah. that like getting that first well no the first experience was when I said it's too long and I can't read it <laughs> yeah was it yeah. kind of weird to though have that initial like to get something back from an editor and see all of these like that what no actually I find that exciting because before that I trained as an actress but I mm. mostly worked with ensemble theatre companies and I love uh, and I often worked with companies that did new works like the Royal Court in London mm-hmm. and the Soho Theatre Company places like that and they'd bring in the writers and you know it's like they would the writers would sit in the room and go that you 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 made it a comma and it's really a full stop you know period right but it's also so, a time for them to see it up and see what's not yeah. working and see then the next day right. they would like we we've radically changed the scene or we've cut this with the other well as an actress in an ensemble piece you're putting you're getting the writer write something they deliver it um a director puts their spin on it the lighting people even put their spin on it, and then you as an actor put your spin on it. So every time Mm, it's going to be done and every time it's read or every time it's presented, it's different. And I like that collaboration. I I love to collaborate with people. So Mm. um, I loved having somebody that was, you know, patient enough to go through it and say, you know what, let's take all of this out and see what what happens. And on your side and, like, helping. Did some of, I mean, what's the stage of the second two parts? I mean, have you... I've written them. I wrote them all. Everything's done. But has I gave it to you. I I didn't read it. No, I I did read quite a bit of it, I will say. Yeah. um, Um, The second one, I'm not sure, but I think, you know, they're... It might be something something in Aleppo because it all takes place mostly takes place in Aleppo. So we might do the seamstress of Warfare and I don't know the the drunkard of Aleppo. Mm, well, it is a lot about my grandfather and he was a drunkard and a womanizer and a whoremonger and a gambler. So the whoremonger yes. of Aleppo. Yeah, the whoremonger of Aleppo. <laughs> you kind of see a little those seeds. Yes. It's interesting in the first book the. Uh, uh, Iskander, yes. is that how you say his name? Um, you kind of see a little bit of a degradation, but really that's not kind of the focus. He you just kind of see this. He kind devolves. Of, yeah. And then the thing is that people sometimes judge him harshly. They say, oh, that useless husband. And I'm like, he was a 
poet and a um, you were know, his were his poems published? No, or are they just family? Do you have them? Are these actually no, them? Or you made them no, up? No, yeah, I made them up. Yeah, so they're your poetry, but but he also was a poet. If the poems are good, they're mine. If they're bad, <laughs> I found them. <laughs> No, some of them are actual real poems that um, would were from the time, you oh, know, okay. the period. Cool. And there's one poem which I wrote, which is as if it, um, Khatun has written the poem, and she's she's getting him, to, you know, dictating it to him. To oh write right, him. yeah. I I actually love, like you say, how he devolves. But yeah. I, I love how you describe, um, you know, he's running, a, they're running a cafe, um, and he's running it quite unsuccessfully. He's basically yes. stopped taking money from people. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way, the, the way that you describe it, and the way that you describe uh, Katun's... Um, how do you say her name? Katun. Katun. I was saying it's Katun, just, but It's yes. okay, you Khatun. can just do it with an H. Hatun. Katun. Yeah. Um, but the way you describe her reaction to it... He basically, you know, he didn't like the commercialization. He didn't yeah. want to take money from people. No, he and wanted he just, to stand on top of the table and sing and he just he wanted poetry. to host and yes. yes, please enjoy our food and yeah. just be and be generous. And then he had a wife that was so, you know, capable and talented that she was able to uh, greatly expand their yeah. prospects. And she yes. said, you know what? You're never gonna have to handle money again. Yeah. What a beautiful relationship. Where's that dream for, for me? everybody? Yeah. <laughs> and also, he's not an antagonist in their relationship. Yeah. It's not yeah. like he's like, no, no, we're not moving, or no, no, we're not doing this. I mean, it's when you like, think about no, it, he supports it was, her yeah, right off supportive. the bat. Like he was trying. She tries to hide how well she's doing yeah. at first. She's like hiding the money, and, and, the, and the mother's like, right, don't say anything. Just right. like but one day, if you need care. the money, just say it's like you know, it fell in your lap. You exactly. Know? But yes. he he doesn't care. He. Yeah. Yeah. He, when he discovers how successful she is, yeah. he is thrilled. And yeah. um, it's kind of a beautiful... Because really, what's interesting, too, about the book is the role of women and the, the Especially place for the time. That women and she have. was illiterate. Yeah. She, she was illiterate. She was, you know, in an arranged marriage that she had no choice at all. You know, he had some choice. Uh, maybe the mother had yeah. some choice. But, um, you know, just like this, this was life. And, you know, yeah. and... And it was something that that even the women clung to. It was their ways. And it was like they didn't want to lose their ways. Yeah. Um, So it was very... um, I mean, you really do capture that um, in a very vivid way. And I think that was one of the things I was really interested in. Because we are in such a moment of women's roles and empowering women and me too and 50 50 by 2020. And like, let's have women in positions of power more. Looking at this, like, Khatun was a very powerful woman. I mean, she was a yeah. powerful businesswoman. But she also had to work within the confines of a role mm. of woman at the time. Yeah. yeah, and also really powerful in, like, I think, uh, a geographic area in the world where I think my perspective of that, I don't know because I've never traveled to, like, the Middle East or anywhere around there, but there's, like, a, the idea that women have a very, like... They didn't get, um, <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the Turkish girls didn't go to school at all. Um, after Now somebody's going to bring in and say, yes, they did, 
but they had a very minimal... With that um, we had live callers. Yes. But the Armenian girls who were Christian did go to school up to a certain age. And those schools were mostly run by Americans, uh, Danish... Germans, missionaries. So they had missionaries who had uh, orphanages and schools, and so they would do, um, they would learn English uh, or right. French or another language, and um, they would learn languages and mathematics and everything. So the Armenian people, is that a specific location and also religious based? It's, Armenia is a country. Uh, it, were, it is now. Now it's a country, but it was a, a, right. a series of many kingdoms. In that part of the world, which is mm. now the Ottoman, the, which was then the Ottoman Empire, and is now an, Turkey. There is an Armenian language. Yes. Which you were talking about, you know, yes. knowing how to speak as yes. a five-year-old. Yes. And were most are most Armenians Christian? Is that a? Yes, they. I have not met any Armenians who are not Christian. Gotcha. Um, although there are a, there are Armenians who, for centuries and centuries. Are, have become um, Turkified, the 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 Hushmadian, um, Hamidian, no, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, Hushmadian. They live in Turkey, and there are a sort of a group of Armenians that have become Turkish, but their roots were so they become gotcha. They so they, they into Turkish culture. Yes, know, Islam. They became Muslim. Yeah, they became Muslim, yeah, yeah. and um, Hemshen, Hemshen. That's it. That's it. Was the crux of the persecution of the Armenian people religious based primarily? Is it's, that why the Turks <laughs> wanted I think them? It's more ethnic. Um, um, it's very similar to. All of the descriptions I've heard about ha uh, the, 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 the Jewish Holocaust as well, because you start off with an, an envy, like you people are having an education. You people put a lot of store in family. You have a very tight family unit. You, and then it becomes uh, and there a successful culture. It becomes yes. a propaganda campaign against yeah. a, a group. A yes, you're the group. merchants, you're the ones who have the money, and right. you, you know, gotcha. so it becomes, it becomes a sort of, easier to spread yeah. uh, hate. And, How come and they get all of that and we don't? Yes. Make them the other. Yeah. I mean, the way you described like the progression of the Armenian genocide, which I don't think is very well known, um, is, is really kind of horrifying. I mean, really? you just, well, I mean, just. Some of it's very sparsely described, like yeah. twenty thousand people are dead, and that or twenty five thousand people are dead, and that's just in a paragraph. Yes. And then there's other times where, it, like, there's a march of people, and a horse yes. tramples over someone. There are yes. some incredibly descriptive paragraphs. I uh, know, absolutely, absolutely. And I, it's, it's I was funny, not I expecting the, that. I took them all out. I took them all out at one point. I didn't describe any any of the atrocities and the. Um, mm. But then I thought these girls are like my shower. They have to come and they. I have to bear witness to it, all of their stories in a way. I have to. Well, and in. it's it, it's interesting too because like that that's kind of the same conversation. What because the the family, the central family, your family yeah. that you're describing, um, largely survives. You know yes. the, the genocide. Obviously, I mean you're you're here yeah. and, um, but um, they there's a time where there's like where you can actually see things happening and they go watch you yes. know, things happening. And there's a kind of argument among the family 
you know, yeah. what can what can these children learn for the yes. like, why are they here? Why are yes. you showing them this? Yeah. So that's kind of I would gather maybe it was a conversation going on in your mind. How much of this do we want to put here? Like what yes. what am I trying to say about it? Um Maybe not, but that, that's... No, I did have... I took out, you know, when the girls come and they describe, a lot of them describe what they've been through. I cut that to shreds and um, in an effort not to save lines and words at that point, but because I knew the stories so well and I thought if I skimmed over them at one point, it wouldn't be putting it in your face. It wouldn't be too um, thrown in the face. But then, you know, you say you've never heard any of it, and you have never heard any no, of no, it. No, I, I actually don't. I do know um, very good friends of my family right. are Armenians, yeah. and we spent many holidays with them. And, and they'll tell you many, they, many stories. I definitely heard about the Armenian right. genocide. So um, when you've heard about and, it, then and you they hear. feel always like, why is this the underpublished, publicized genocide? Right. Like, why well, doesn't this exactly. get the attention go. that yes. the Holocaust gets? Yes. Like, this was horrific, and yeah. it took place over years, yeah. and it nearly wiped out an entire... 50% of the population, yeah. which is a larger percentage than right. the Holocaust, which I think... And not, I mean, I'm not saying that, even though it was less people. I'm not saying that these people, number. like, were talking about it with bitterness, but it's just always like... I'm yeah. not quite sure why this doesn't get more attention, you know, what happened it, to well, our people. <clears throat> what you have to do is, in order to get attention, you would have to call culpability on the Turkish government. That's not necessarily true, because I, as an Armenian, say, look, most of the atrocities happened before Turkey became a republic, which was in the 1920s, which right. is more or less when they leave. So there's not a current government that was responsible for that. But the thing is that when you do find a government is culpable, then you start talking about reparations and so on and so forth. When you've had 1.5 million people who've lost everything, and then you times that by inflation... Uh, it becomes yes. yeah, cost and you Exactly. You have, to look at, you have to look at where Turkey is in um, terms of the Middle East and the Western world because they are a secular country and people would prefer all of the um, countries in the area that are Muslim to look towards a secular head like Turkey than a very religious country like, like Iran or Iran, you know, somewhere like that. So they say, mm -hmm. right, let's let's be friends with Turkey because Turkey is going to kind of like be our gateway, our opening. And then if we're friends with Turkey, that kind of yes. makes things complicated with yeah. And they have we, and Turkey's America has perfect. bases in Turkey. Let's put it that way. Sure. Yes. Yeah, let's, actually, let's be honest. America uh, yeah. has done their own fair share of genocides. Yeah. True. Would you yeah. mind reading a little passage? Of course. Because we're talking about like a part of the world that a lot of people don't know exactly where it is right um, this is really in the kind of in the middle of the book ish yeah but it describes Orfa the city and where it is and its place in history yeah okay so this chapter <clears throat> is called allegedly Orfa summer 1915 Orfa the eye of Mesopotamia Situated at the crossroads of ancient highways, 
It nestles in the warm, fertile valley between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, the cradle of civilization. According to legend, it was the first city to re-emerge in the world after the Great Flood, the birthplace of Abraham, the spot where Nimrod, the Babylonian king, later flung Abraham onto a burning pyre for refusing to worship pagan gods, where Jehovah intervened, turning those flames into pools of water and the coals into sacred fish, still alive and swimming in the pleasant Durga Gardens to this day. To the north and west, lie the barren limestone foothills of the Anatolian Massif with its distant, fortress-like villages clinging to its precipitous sides. To the southeast, a sea of cotton and wheat fields stretch all the way to the horizon, past the biblical city of Haran, last stronghold of the Sabians, worshippers of sun, moon and planets. Born as Urhai to Nimrod of Babylon, Urfa endured centuries of conquest and change. The Hurrians, the Amorites, the Hittites, everyone wanted to dominate the strategically placed city at the heart of all trade routes. The Assyrians elevated the place into a prosperous political and cultural centre. The Seleucids fortified and renamed it Edessa. Under the Parthians it became a royal city, the capital of Osroene for almost 400 years. And in the first century BC, Dikran the Great included it within the new boundaries of Armenia, and many Armenians migrated to the city. It was in Urfa that early Christians worshipped freely and built their churches. The Crusades passed through twice, in between which Zengi of Nineveh turned the churches back into mosques, and it wasn't until 1637 that Urfa, having swung for centuries between Islam and Christianity, finally settled down as part of the Ottoman Empire under Murad IV, a flourishing, articulate city filled with Turks, Armenians, Assyrians, Greeks, Maronites and Jews. A city where the fez mixed easily with straw boaters, the veil with abundant loose hair. A place where any combination of beliefs was acceptable, particularly if it were different and somehow complicated by weird embellishments from all paths of religion. Thank you. There it's you a pleasure are. to hear you read something, <laughs> that, that Radha trained oh voice, gosh, and your voice, currently still working as a voice artist. <laughs> I'm going to test you. Where is it? Where, where is this place? <laughs> On the, between the Mesopotamia and Euphrates? Yeah, so the Euphrates. I mean, it's really the, you know, it, it's like Sumeria, you know. Yes, it's, it's, it's like Ur. The, it is Ur, exactly. Oh my yes. God, of course it's Ur. I'm from Ur, mate. <laughs> I mean, that's really, and You're that's an where you learn you know in your earliest you know history and geography whatever classes that that's the birthplace of civilization the mesopotamians and the city of ur yeah. was like the first city that really predates Shit's been going down there forever yeah predates well, the greeks and predates the romans this is it's an interesting um intro to this chapter because this chapter is where they do go and stand by the side of the road and they watch the caravans yes. of people coming through. Yes. So I described 
how it was in the past. So it becomes a very much like a market town, and it's like in the center of all these trade routes. I just remember when I got to this chapter yeah. that it was very anchoring for me in right. terms of like really. I mean, because you do have that map, and it's fine. Yeah. But it, it it's an, like it's right like, here. This we are. is where we're talking about. Right. Okay, now yes. I get it. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, because you're talking about a time pre like. You know, so many, so many of our current countries where the the maps were drawn in the twentieth century and in, in World War One. Open borders, open borders. World, exactly. <laughs> Let's do open borders. I mean, there's, we, things aren't moving in that direction, at least in this country, right at the moment. Yeah. But hopefully, we can change that. But um, but yeah. So this is. I mean, we're you know, Trump has talked about like, okay, we're going to leave Syria. You know. Mm. Just nothing. Like, who cares about the Kurds, you know, you and know, things? You know, my mother's 85 years old now, and, and actually my auntie's not very well, and probably not long before she passes away. And at that point, I have to figure out, what am I going to do with my mum? Mm. And I'd like to bring her here. Because she's in Cyprus. Um, yes. And on her passport, it says she's born in Syria. Because they move from here, eventually in the 1920s, they do go through all of this and they manage to stay and then the whole family moves to Aleppo. And then later on, my mother is born in Aleppo. And I'm like, do I really want to bring an 85-year-old woman with sort of the beginnings of dementia on a 12-hour flight to get to immigration and Mm. have someone look at her passport and say... It doesn't matter that you were a Christian and you were born in this country because you were refugees and trying to rebuild your life after a horrific event. Do I really want to bring her here and have somebody kind of like, it's my job's worth to keep you out and just because she happened to be born in Syria? Not well, that's something to consider, but I think given... I'm sure she'd, let, she'd get in. She but... would get in. And she has traveled I know, here. but it's a dramatic story. And there could be a reason the, not to have her live with you. Yes, so yes. Mom, I can't. <laughs> Trump won't let you. you stay pen, where you are. The principle of the matter that... Um, these are real people that do have yes. to deal with these real consequences of... of Unthought through decisions that are yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the whims of somebody who also is probably mentally unstable. Trump is probably the most unempathetic person we've ever had, you know, in, in the world. Forget as president, yeah. but but uh, you know, just like thoughtless and, and like not, you know, just describing Mexicans in horrible ways, but also just like just having no understanding of what's happening in Syria. And you know what? It's it. We we didn't have a huge presence there anyway, but yeah. um, we have been, you know, like, okay, I guess Assad can take it back, and it's the ascendance of Iran, and, you know, everything that he criticized Obama for, like, great, you, you can achieve it by doing that. You know, like, ISIS is not defeated, whether no. you can declare it so, but that's yeah. not true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate. But and it's, it's very sad. That's because... what makes this very timely, and I think that's what makes potentially the whoremonger of Aleppo, even more timely. Yeah, because they do. They move to Aleppo, and Aleppo is the city where they rebuilt their lives. In fact, a lot of Armenians owe their heritage to Aleppo because Aleppo was the safe haven. It was like they finally got to Aleppo. That's where they managed to... And there weren't people there trying to kill them as 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 a group. All the time. Then when it all got divided up, the French took over. It became part of the French mandate. So 
there was the protection of the French. And um, and how is your family end up going to the UK? Why? Um, oh, from, wait, well, there's a whole other, th- there's Cyprus. Well, don't tell there's us about books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go from Aleppo to Cyprus. Right, that's right. With my whremongering grandfather. Right, right. He had to keep running. <laughs> oh, as, as whoremongers. <laughs> you know, the books are me. <laughs> I know that. The real, the real <laughs> feelings that I got from the book were just such strong connection to the family. And this family journey, it mm. honestly, I've like, I don't have kids and I don't like, I don't have a strong like impulse to have kids. I'm gay. So if I'm going to have kids, it would have to be very thought out and, and the turkey based it. No, be a surrogate. <laughs> Wrong. sure, but I'd have to plan it in a certain way and it would have to be very deliberate. Right. And reading this book, I was like, oh my God, I want kids now. Cause, really? Cause, well, n- not completely. Read the book. And now I'm adopting. Gay no. men will want to have children. <laughs> no, but the, 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 the sense of family. <laughs> the, especially in the first half of the book, there's a huge, I feel like, pulse of the book of this desire mm. to have a family and to have these kids and how much of a blessing they are. Right. Mm. And it's something that we don't, as a culture, I think, or me, we think about jobs and about. careers and she everything. Has we, yes. kids, and for right? them, yes. kids and are everything. To have a kid is to oh my gosh, what this is this is it. This is what we've been working for. This is what we want in life, and and to have our family. Yeah. And that it made me think about my own family. It made me think of mm. you know my own sisters. I have five sisters and oh, a huge wow. family. And um, so and the journey is so family based too. You know, peripherally. History is happening and yeah. this war is happening, but it's basically about the family and how they continue to survive yes. through that. Which was the impulse for me to write the book was wait I've read so many books about Armenians who went through the um, genocide mm-hmm. and survived. So survivor stories. Yeah, and um, but. I haven't read a book yet about the people who stayed behind and continued to live with their oppressors. Right. Mm. And so many people did because they were useful for some reason. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and in this case, yeah. Katun was such a talented seamstress. Yes. They were like, I don't touch my dress. Don't touch my dressmaker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 you know. It makes it also more digestible <clears throat> in a way because we can relate to it. And, it, it, you know, if it was... She made beautiful, sexy clothes yeah. that, that wives wore for their husbands in private. Yes. And uh, made them... Pregnant. You know, their life lives. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, which is very cool. And so these women... Um, I do the saved. same, by the way. Do you have any of um, your great-grandmother's clothing? Do you make clothing? I make clothes. Mm. You I do make the same. beautiful clothes. What kind of clothes? I make clothes for me. Beautiful. I just made... I've been making a long... Very sexy black velvet skirt that kind of it goes, oh, kind of goes in with a little kind of little kick of a train. Do you sell that? No, I. That sounds. That actually yeah. sounds like it would be a You're beautiful like, outfit. For me. Yeah. For Nathan, that really? velvet skirt. I wear a velvet skirt. Absolutely. <laughs> you would rock it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple. I have a couple dresses in my closet. I have a lot. I've, I've got two choices. I've got because it's very old velvet and it's maybe like a, an a old silver. velvet coat. I have the coat. I have to fix it. I bought the coat. I picked mm. it up somewhere around here. Yeah. In some one of those yard sales on a Saturday. Yeah. It's it's 
It's so beautifully made. It's oh, all by... You know what? Yard yeah. sales on a Saturday around here can be amazing. I know. I remember I used to... My my neighbor who, who I got this place through, my friend Kitty McNamee, who's a... Uh, I know her, the dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to... We used to go to parties together and stuff. But I remember walking through, you know, this Beachwood Canyon area. We were, you know, just taking a hike into Griffith Park. And um, she all of a sudden, like, saw something out of the corner of her eye. And she said, supermodels. Mm. And she just walked through. And she saw, like, supermodels, like, shopping through. And it was um, man, uh, well, oh, God. It was manly something. Um... Uh, God, whatever her name is, it was this famous model. Right, house. <coughs> many right. more. And no, and many and it was um, no, but who's that British actress who was in dated Matt Damon and you know was in was got an Oscar nom- nomination for look who's uh, um, look who's talking. No, no, what uh, Goodwill Hunting. Alley. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, you, you probably know her too. I, you know what? I'm not um, thinking of anyone's names. Um, she's recently on Will and Grace. Anyway, this was a really good anyway, yard sale. It was her house. No, she she was trying to shop aunt, from this her supermodel. Cousin, her brother. She was shopping from this supermodel. <laughs> and she said, oh, Mandy, this would be perfect for Can. And Ooh. it was just like, she was putting on some beautiful coat. Uh, you know, and it well, just... Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm making the, the, the skirt. So and it, probably, has a, it, it has a beautiful very, coat. Yeah. Are you, it, it was Amanda good with another Decabney. jacket, too. Oh, Amanda yeah, she was, used to live around yes, here. Yes, it was her yard sale. Right. And then it was some actress who was like, I love right. this, I'm going to take it to yeah. Cannes. Yeah. Because you, and Kitty got a few things from that very yard sale. Well, Amanda is a little bit bigger than Kitty, I mean. Well, th- but that's why, this, even this, act, like, she looked at some of these long coats. So it wasn't nice. like, like right. oh, this is great. You know? I wore a long black coat on New Year's. You Ooh, did. It looked great. Yes. <laughs> it was like kind of muppety. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Are you preferential to wearing black? Are you? you like black? No. I, well, that's a coincidence because I'm wearing black, but I nearly exclusively wear Color. blue. Oh, blue. Uh huh. This my my, my mind is on. It's, I love it's Mini blue. Driver. I was talking Mini about. Driver. Mini Driver with the one. Yeah. It was like, Mandy, this is perfect for Ken. Now yeah. let's put that aside and move oh, on. Mini used to live around here too. Yeah. Well, they were. That's where they were both at this yard sale yeah. nearby. Yeah. Um. I so I, we can go a little bit like of a deep dive, or at least my connection to to Victoria. We mm. met um, soon after I moved here. I was taking a class. Uh, the, the summer producing program at UCLA, and your husband, William Butler Sloss, was mm. also in my class, and it was like a whole, a whole summer, yeah. and I remember, you know, he was, he became like, he's the only person I remember from the class, really, but he, he <laughs> he's was... He's hard to forget. He became my, my friend, and we What was the hang- class for? It was a summer program in producing, so oh, we, the, yeah. we had different people from the industry come and talk about different aspects of producing, like... This week is about development. This week is about sure. film sales. Right. This week is about mm. distribution. And they did great things where like you kind of like teamed up and like this person would be responsible for international film sales and you just kind of learned what yeah. things were. Yeah. It was very helpful. Everyone most people had an internship. I was working and couldn't really I was like, well, at this point I I can't have an unpaid summer, so yeah, I didn't yeah, really yeah. do an internship, but I think I that would have been nice. Um I know William did for he did, and Cam then they Jones sponsored him and, to, to and worked come for Mike Neal, Newell's company. Uh-huh. And that, yeah, no, it kind of really worked out for him. But another thing I remember too was 
as the summer was going on, he was getting very excited and he started saying, like, I think I've convinced Victoria to come move here. She's going to visit, but I think she's going to move here. And she, he was so excited. Yeah. I hadn't even met you, but, like, and then when I met yeah. you, I was like, oh, well, pff. Yeah. I mean, this is like, yeah. of course, like, Where if she's not going to move here, In you London. Better... He was supposed to come here for three months. We just got married. He was like, right, I'm going off to L.A. <laughs> so, You're like, what? No, so I was like, that's cool. Go to L.A. Do your course. Because he was getting bored. He was a theater producer. Mm. He cut his teeth. He, he started when he was 18. Um... And doing all of those big musicals, 42nd Street, he was tearing mm. tickets. And then he went backstage. He said, I need a proper job. And they were like, can you book hookers and cocaine? He was like, yes. And they were like, <laughs> you are hired. <laughs> that is a big so, part of producing, even now. <laughs> so, so he... he um, he went to work for somebody. He 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 really worked for um, Merrick, you know, and and he did all of those Forty Second Street and Barnum and everything, right. and he became personal assistant to Mark Bramble and traveled all over with them, and then started producing his own thing. And you guys met in the theater? Yeah, yeah. He was producing something. He was he had produced in. something. No, he had produced oh. something in the theater where I had just also, I had played a female bodybuilder that it was like, yeah. What oh, was the show? It was quite it was alluring, ripped. I'm sure. Yes. I oh was, my God, yes. you were a female bodybuilder was like I was ripped. In a, I was in a play called Ripped and I had to get ripped and I had these <laughs> bodybuilders. What did you, did you do boxing or something? No, to, like, no, train? no. That I went straight on this diet and I went and lifted heavy weights uh, like uh, four days a week. Wow. What like, was the diet like? Oh God. Um, like six eggs protein, in the morning. Yeah, protein, high protein. You had to have carbs too. So oats, no fats, no salt, no sugar. Oh, it was like um, a straight up bodybuilder. It was, workout. it was, you know, situation. and they all looked at me like, you ain't going to do this. And then I started doing it because it's like you can't have condiments. You know, it's like salad is like, you know, the leaf. And the egg. <laughs> <laughs> and then like two months later, you were like, yeah. it's me, Victoria. No, yeah, the, the, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I got really ripped. I'd really got really buff. And they, 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 uh, I got the um, bodybuilding uh, world supported me. They were like, she did okay. Good, As physique, good. not, because they, they had these different um, categories. So the physique was kind of like the more sporty, light, lighter weight bodybuilder, mm-hmm. as opposed to... The lifter. Yes, the really heavy. So I, I got the physique body, or is it? Well, you want the physique one anyway, And that's right? what you look yes. like when you met your husband. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he was... He was, he was like, was what? Like, you're ripped! You, yes. <laughs> he was like, really? You're headlining ripped. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was um, ripped when I met him. And you were such a fun couple. I just, I loved oh. spending time with you guys. And you. Um, then you uh, did go back to the UK. Yeah. Um, because he was like, I think I'm convincing her to move. We had to get rid of 20 years of life yeah. there, pack it up in a box and, and, so, and send and it over here. How old were you when you moved here? 39. Yeah. Um, so you look really good. I don't know how old you are, but you I'm look freaking fantastic. Really? Yeah, I was like, that's too many years. <laughs> she's a blood. decade yeah, older than me, but uh, and yes. I really, but I don't, um, I don't, it, I don't think of that. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just, and so then. Well, thank you. We, you're adorable. You, you, no, you do, you're very, you're very beautiful. Oh my god! Always been oh so god. taken with you. So we went uh, a couple times. Uh, when you were 
you ha- you had this amazing flat yeah. at the top of Queensgate on this street that was just Butte Street. Uh, Butte Street, which is French. Every, yes. Everything's French. It's yeah. a boulangerie. It's yeah. a pâtisserie, yeah. and, and yeah. it's like a little like you walk through on the way to the tube from Queensgate. Yeah, and you're like in France for a block, yeah. and it's just it's beautiful. And I lived there twenty years. And my uh, father's cousin kept a guest apartment as gracious people do. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Nearby. Just, yeah, it was on Queen's Gate. Right. It was literally around the corner. So yeah. we would visit there and then That's you right. and you and William would take me and whoever I was traveling with out uh, to a girl called Wendy. Heidi. Heidi. Heidi, yeah, she was with me. Yeah. And so um, you know, we, you would take us out to the clubs that you belong to, like Blacks and whatever uh, yes. else. And, I was um, a member of Blacks. Just was, Bla- is Black still around? It was a private members club. It, it's the, it, Giuseppe sold it. Who had it? Giuseppe um, Mascolini. Mm. But it's like it was like a was it Soho pre- precursor to Soho? Better than that. Yeah. No, it was like there was no. It was all fireplaces and candles. There was Ooh. no electricity. It was way better. Oh it was a Hogarthian building. So, so you go sexy. in through the basement and you get drinks down there, and then the next floor was the restaurant, which was like. Just all these little. Um, what was the scene like? Who was like there? Was it, it just? Like, who was very debauched? Okay, so the only thing. Impossibly yeah. chic and impossibly yeah. cool. They were like four. So it was just like I just felt so privileged. I was like, no baseball well, I'm with like the coolest chick in London at her club. No chewing gum. <laughs> no ponytails. So no yuppie. No baseball caps. No chewing gum. No ponytails. And you could be thrown out, and you could be barred for life for hitting a woman. The well, only thank reason you. you could be. Uh, you well, know, that makes sense. Completely. Well, people got drunk quite easily there. Sure. So, but it was pretty, pretty debauched kind of club. Yeah. The upstairs rooms. It was just Super big fun. old rooms with sofas and uh, fireplaces and. Were and just a place to have a good time. It was just no, really fun. No, no, it wasn't like that. Did people have sex kind of, yeah. black no, 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 no. no. no but it was just like it was. Let it all go. It was a, a yeah. nice. It was. Place do you know what you the menu had? Two things on it. It was like two starters, two main course, two there, and he was like, "That's it's a set price." So you went there and you drank, and the food was good. Mm. Yeah. So it'd be like two really amazing things. What were you drinking at the time? Oh God. Whatever was on offer. Mm, red wine, uh, vodka, vodka, vodka and cocaine. Is that a drink? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're still doing that. Yeah. Oh, like God, I'm yeah. not sure that we had that combo. <laughs> so Heidi is very straight laced, so I don't know that. Although that's not true. I have done cocaine with her. Oops, let's yeah. cut that out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, but London no, was needn't. a wash with we cocaine. She's I not, mean, you go for dinner she's parties. She's not going to listen to this. And everybody was just. It yeah. feels like London is so far from where cocaine is made. I guess at the time there was probably less you can, restrictions. You get it, it everywhere. Yeah. Get it was it, it was ridiculous when I it left London. It was probably London's... pure too. No, it just no. depends on where you get it, but yeah. Yeah, no, but it was just like you go for dinner and people. I'd say like, I prom- pro- promise, promise, promise to eat the chicken. Promise to eat it. So yeah, okay, okay. We just have a little one, one little line before dinner, and I was like. <laughs> Nobody ate. <laughs> it's like, but yeah. I spent all day on this chicken. Yeah, nobody ever ate. I literally, this is my this is yeah. my great grandmother's cartoon yeah. recipe. Or you'd go to the theater and you'd go backstage to see friends and they'd say, "Should we do a little line?" And I was like, you know, anyway. Yeah. Well. <laughs> There's no, another no. book in you. There's another book. I, I That's a long time ago. Yeah, I think that all. I book three. My publisher said, "I don't think we want to do book three. <laughs> and I was like, why? And they were like, mm, 
you know, because I talk about my life. Yeah. And the reason... Oh, that sounds... That sounds great. Well, you remember I was telling you that the book went backwards and forwards in time right. and everything? So you took all those so, but it, Yeah, three. but I had... I there, there were light that. motifs and there are, there are things. So you might have stories of drug addiction, alcohol abuse, sexual abuse in each generation. So here we talk about the abuse of women who are ripped from their homes and put on these forced marches. Mm -hmm. And as each generation goes on, there's a different kind of sexual um, abuse. Mm. And so we talk about it in, in the in, in the present day, it's a much more like date rape or, mm. you know, rape situations where you get in yourself, you're just like curious and go down the wrong path and like, oh, fuck, this is... But right. as, you know, as we get into your career, you yes. know, um, which, you know, as, as an actor, which is really not the focus of this, this particular mm. podcast, but... Um, you you know you worked a lot in the theater, did a lot of very interesting things. I did also a lot in of television. interesting theater. TV. You also were in Sid and Nancy. I you know, was um, with Courtney Love yeah. and uh, uh, you know Chloe Webb. Chloe and... Webb, yes, Chloe Webb, and uh, actually I had a much bigger role. I didn't get it. So Alex Cox was brilliant. He was like, come in and do another little role, and I picked a piece and did it. But you and and but you ended up like you're in the background of a number of scenes. You, I don't know how long mm. did you shoot it. Was it very brief or were you couple there for of days, a while? Okay. Couple of days. All right. Yeah. And Gary, that was Gary Oldman playing yes. Sid Vicious and Chloe Webb playing uh, Nancy Spungen. Yeah. Was that when you were still in London? Yes, yes, yes. That was gosh. That was but even was before. Was that shot in New York? No, no, no. Oh, it was shot all in London. London. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in Soho. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because there's a scene that they're in New York, but I guess they didn't shoot. Yeah. There. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they went back to New York, but not with me. No, sadly. Um, but that was that. Was that a was that a fun one? Yeah, they were all fun. I loved acting. I loved, I loved doing TV. And then I went to drama school, and then I came out and I did loads of theatre. And mostly the theatre I did was um, like physical theatre. I worked with amazing people. Sarah Kane. Ah. Uh, Do you know yeah. Sarah Kane? Yeah, totally. I. I did one of her shows um, at the Royal Court, and I... Which show? Cleansed. I played the peep show girl. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one. Um, I saw one Sarah Kane show that was, like, five actors just on stage. Oh, 0.48. Psychosis 0.48. I've, seen, I, I've read that, but it was a different one. She'd only did five plays, right? Yeah. 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 I can't remember the name of it. It, it was very experimental obviously she was amazing she was there on blasted I've seen oh god well that was one of her first yeah um yeah I was in cleansed and then she was in it too because so uh, you worked with her directly yeah one on one she was in every rehearsal wow apparently I walked into the to the uh um I walked into the um audition and I um left the audition and my agent rang me straight away and he said you got the job and I was like that's just you know no 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 they don't they take longer than that and I was like fuck because I already said yes to another job mm. that I hadn't told my agent about because that's the worst problem and <laughs> no I had to get out of it I had to get out the other job I was like oh okay well I took another job and now I have to get out of that one because I'm doing the Sarah Kane oh thing. for sure absolutely <laughs> you know, I'm doing that one with her that is some heavy yeah. that is yeah. some heavy material too 
Yeah, she was adorable and I loved her and um, I was very close to her and obviously she died. Right. And then one of my other favourite people I worked with was Nigel Charnock. And he started with this dance company called DV8, the letters DV8, mm-hmm. which was a big company in the United Kingdom where they used mostly dancers and did drama stuff. And then he set up his own company and started using actors, but making them dance and do a lot of physical uh-huh, stuff. So it was very physical. Totally physical. Experimental. Yeah. He put, put us. He put us in a house in Manchester, and then we would, oh God, dance for like two hours in the morning, and then we mm-hmm. would workshop our lives. And he would pinch from our lives and write dialogue. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's a cool process. Yeah. And then we went all over. He had all these contacts. So we went all over Europe with that. And it was great. Wow. We got to, you know, Sicily and Berlin. And he was great to work with. And that was, yeah. Those, I, I remember those two shows. And he died too. Hmm. Uh, stick around, you know. <laughs> I did a little bit of devising an experimental collaborative based theater. Yeah? Yeah. Not yeah. since I've moved to LA, but before when I was doing more theater stuff. I love it. In I miss Chicago. it actually. And in um, Washington State, mm. yeah, one of the one of my professors was very into um mm. uh, movement based theater and uh we did we studied like Suzuki and Grotowski, mm-hmm. you know, physical theater. And then also um we we worked on a show and do you know the Tectonic Theater Project? No. They created Laramie Project yeah. and Gross Indecency, which is about the life yeah, of the trials of Oscar Wilde uh, and Moises Kaufman's yes, uh, company. Yes. So we worked with one of the founding members of them and and collaborated over a year and took a show to Edinburgh Fringe, mm. which was really fun. Did you ever do the fringe? Yeah. Um you must have. Yeah. I've never <coughs> I went with a bunch Oh god, you know it's really funny. Because I was in a show playing Lorraine Newman. Are you playing Lorraine Newman? I played a conglomeration of characters, part was of Lorraine which were... Lorraine Newman? She, she was, was on the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. One of, one of the three and, women. And, and, and the, again, the, we had the Gilda Radner. And Jane Curtin and Lorraine Newman. And mm. we had almost an exact... Um, John Belushi was brilliant. Mm. And Dan Aykroyd and me and... You know, anyway, the show just got... Uh, God, it went terribly. <laughs> oh, it did? Well, no, it went... No, it was great. It was really good. And then we reprised it again the next year. It was so good the first time. It was called... But no! Because, and, um, oh, yeah, because that was, was like that a catchphrase. Yeah, that a sketch yeah. thing yeah. that was and happening? Yeah, and so we had to... You know, we were doing... And I was. Re- I remember they were saying to me, you have to say, oh, gag me with a spoon. And I was like, but I don't understand what that means. What does it mean? <laughs> well, it's a, it was a Californiaism. Yeah. And she was from spoon. LA. Yeah. So yeah. she was kind of like playing a valley girl. She did this whole thing where yeah. she was, you know, she was. I like, remember it. You know, yeah. the, the air stewardess, and she likes giving everybody the food. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, so, and we had a great Gilda Radner, who's, uh, oh, of course, she's doing the, the thing that's on TV at the moment. She's got a. Uh, they're doing her life story. Oh, I right. Know that. Yeah, I think on CNN. So yeah. I keep seeing that, but it's funny because I did that show and then we went to Edinburgh and then somebody had to drop out the show, so we reshuffled all the parts and then somebody else and then the the director went a little bit mad, mm. and then all it became one of those things where the whole cast are like, no, 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 the director's lost it, and then like somebody else had to drop out the show, and it got down to like. 
he was trying to run the show with like three cast members missing <laughs> do, do a bit of musical thing run over here do this bit run over here and do that bit and it was like, okay so now you're playing all three of the women yeah yeah that's it was so like the Edinburgh Fringe yeah. at, even from an audience perspective I've been there twice I think it was 89 and 90 I think yeah. I was there just to um, uh, well see friends do shows um and or travel. It was just a place to go. I went slightly later. Uh, I know, I know, because they're talking about you when you were an infant um, or, or whatever. But you look good too. <laughs> you have to be nice. You said I look good. Oh, thank you. Thank um, you. But, but uh, yeah, no, but that's my memory of, of going to the Edinburgh Fringe is literally like sometimes running from theater to theater. Yeah. Like to something gets out, like, I want to catch this, you know? Yeah. It's just such a beautiful oh, it was experience. So, my time there was so fun. Yeah, of uh, theater. Five shows a day. Well, exactly. Well, Indeed. sadly, I was with a bunch of comedians, so now I'm like, I'm never going to another comedy show in my life. I'm just saying, <laughs> we went to, the, they were in other, they were moonlighting, so they were doing that show and then doing like three other. Right, they had you gigs, know, stand-up gigs. Yeah, they were all town. doing stand-up and everything yeah. like this. and. It's I saw every comedy show in Edinburgh for like a month. Oh, right. for sure. And, you're just and like, I was like, I'm and, done uh, for life. I'm done for life. I've There's done. so much to see there. Comedy though. is yeah. dead. I yes. will never see it again. <laughs> I like saw, in, in like one day I saw some like Defies piece from Sweden and then Oedipus Rex and then a one man version of a Shakespeare show. Yeah. Yeah. S- some good, some bad, but yeah. that's kind of like what it is too. It's like you get a little bit of everything. I saw the ways. normal heart for the first time there, mm. um, and I it was a revelation to me. I was just like, "What? Oh my god!" Yeah, um, you know Larry Kramer's uh, show. Anyway, mm. um, love Edinburgh. Um, so now, yeah. You're writing. You've got you've yeah. your second book. Is, second, is there, second and third is, book already. Is there a timetable for it? No, I think they like. I think they like to keep a couple of years between the books. Yeah, yeah right. that makes sense. Because Give it some time. you know you have to to finish. And you have an upcoming. I do uh, reading. I have. I'm at, going to New York. Yes, you're going to New York. I'm, Harper's is yes. sponsoring an event. Yes. At Book Culture. That you're so clever. You remembered it. Even well, I, I wrote it to, down. Yeah, you know, Thursday, <laughs> February seventh. February seventh at seven p.m. It's a Thursday. You're and in that, New York, and we do in have New listeners York. in New York. We New have quite York a few. listeners. Yeah, um, call or New comment. Jersey listeners. It's on, yeah. in the tri-state area. Or it's Connecticut. On, yeah, yeah that's far. tri-state. Toronto. Um, we're <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> you can fly in. You can fly in for this. It's we're, me. People are coming in from all over the globe yeah. for this. Listen, in England, they did. I went. I I, I was in Love London, and, and half of my friends from LA came. Oh, oh my god! That's and so people that's from Nottingham and everything. I mean, I did go. Yeah. Larchmont, it's pretty close. I know to see you read, yeah. And I was, I loved it. And we Thank got you. these very books yeah. described to us. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's at so book culture is at 450 Columbus Avenue yeah. in New York. The event is at 7 p.m. Well, we'll February this, the 7th, yes. February 7th, Thursday. We will put this in the description yes. of the episode um, right. so that when people are clicking on it if they say read more they'll see things like and that and if they want the book they can ha- we'll, we'll also put a link to how they can buy the book yes what's well, the you... best way to buy the book 
Oh, Amazon. God, everyone does Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's right. also Kindle. I am doing the audio. I am. <gasps> when is that good? I was t- asking oh, Eric. I, was I like, have to do it. Question? I'm halfway through doing it, and I was doing it, you know, a friend of mine was like, yeah, I have a studio. Use it. And I was like, I can do it in a week, and I didn't manage to finish it, so I have to go back. Mm-hmm. But I'm three quarters of the way through. What, we both said, hmm, in a very sort of, hmm, yes. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It takes a while to read no, a whole book. The, I know. Let alone do it out loud. I was like, I want to hear it now because like this I hear your voice anyway mm. reading this because mm. I know you and I can and I've heard you read it yeah. and now our listeners have and it's it also well. great because the book does have some like uh, language specific um, <laughs> yeah. words and vocabulary that yeah I actually loved hearing you even say the name Khatun you know <laughs> because Khatun. it's not I was I was just ignorant, and I was just thinking to myself. I was as I read it every time. I was like, "Cartoon." That's you know? exactly <laughs> what I did in my head. I was like, "Cartoon," of course. Yes. Okay. Sure. Um, but there yeah. is a glossary Irk, as well. Irk, I, I knew a guy in the states for years, and when he left, when he was coming to live in the states, he wrote down his address, and I was like, "Who's this?" Because we thought his name was Irk, spelled U-R-K, mm-hmm. and it was Eric. <laughs> it was like Irk Cosgrove. My name's Irk. Well, yeah, like squirrel, because he doesn't articulate. <laughs> yeah. But I, you, I don't think he mistook my name when I introduced myself. It probably yeah. said it clearly. Wait, but don't you no, have a K at the beginning of your name? I-R-K. Isn't Eric spelled K E R I C? K. Eric. Eric. I'm making fun a silent K I because know. in the book she has a silent Cartoon. K in her name. Cartoon. Yes. 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 Eric. It's a. It's a <laughs> Yes, indeed. Like when a cat spits. Um, and then, so you also doing some... What? I had a question about yeah. this. You had you did a short film based on yes. a chapter of the book, and I wish yeah. I had seen it. I, I oh, I can send it. you the link. Well, I'm happy to see it. We well, mm. can't talk about it because well, I Well, we can put the it, link in the description. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, um, so... Is that? Are you moving in that direction? Do you want to direct more? What do you want to do? What, what's next I could for see this story? as a play. I'll tell you. What's next for this? Um... I got very inspired. No, I got very excited when I saw the rendering of my brilliant friend on um, to film mm-hmm. because that's exactly the way I want to go with this. I want to sell it as a mini series. It lends itself. To that. that would be great. Yeah, because okay, Downton Abbey meets. The Ottoman Empire. Yes. All the food, all the fashion, all the clothes, the rich families, the village life. With you pitching it, I think you got yourself a sale, baby. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I was like, I I had lunch with a friend of mine who's a a director the other day. I said, am I going to sit down and write down everything? He said, don't do all that work. No. No. You've got to pitch. First of all, they can read this. Someone in their office will read this. They might not, but someone will. Who are they? Who are they? Well, whoever you're meeting with. You know, go to to Netflix. I'm going to go to Netflix. Go to Hulu. Go to Beatrice Springborn. I'll I'll send you there. Send me there. Um, And uh, go to... What's Beatrice Springborn? She is the head of original content for... Hulu. Oh, Shout amazing. out to Beatrice. Hey, Bea. I, know, I know Bea. Yo, Bea. Yo, Bea. <laughs> I saw her quite recently and her lovely daughter. But anyway. Yeah. Um, What's the daughter's name? Where do they live? Ooh. Now we Let's have to cut, we have to cut podcast, this out. Maybe, we have to cut yes. this out because I don't remember the daughter's name. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we'll cut this little bit out. Um, Eric, giving me work to do. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no. But, no, but yes, you should... Um, you well, you you know some people. Oh well, I what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do a. I'm going to do a mood board because yeah, I think a visually a treatment. Yeah, 
Because then, look, I did my nice. I did a, my book um, trailer. I did a little book trailer. I did. You it, can uh, do it with a, a you can do it with this and a pitch. You know, yeah. you just have to really work up a, yeah. um, a meeting presentation that you yeah. give. And a mood board is perfect. Whatever kind of visuals you want to yeah. have. But it's exactly like what you visuals, just said about yeah. the fashion and the things. I just yeah. kind of saw it. And maybe the next time you're on the podcast, the second book in the miniseries will be coming yes. out. Oh, I see. And then you'll have yeah. to finish the third book, just like uh, Game of Thrones. No, 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 no. <laughs> then me, G.K. Rowling. G.K. Rowling and I, I will be having dinner oh, down yes, the road. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, if you, yeah. if you end up becoming really good friends with J.K. Rowling, yeah. you'll have to get her to come on the podcast. Bring her. Uh, oh, yeah, we were already friends. We're okay, good perfect, friends. Perfect. We uh, hang out. <laughs> no. Uh, um, no, I don't. Well, know. you know what? I yeah. whatever the whatever the reason, mm. you know, that uh, it's it's beautiful to reconnect with you. Thank I you. loved reading the book. Thank you. Um, that made made me feel more connected to you than ever before. Um, and so I, I hope to see more of you and yeah. let's stay in touch about Absolutely. the adaptation of this and um, I'm happy to you know point you in the direction of people that can might Absolutely. Help you. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get my, I think what I have to do is get my camera out and just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, make it happen. Yeah, because I have visuals, and I'm, and I just love. I actually no, I don't want to act, but I do love getting behind the camera, having done yeah. it a couple of times now. Yeah, because you, you made that short film. You made another short uh-huh. film. Um, I like that direction for you. I, yeah. think, I think you'd be a brilliant director. Renaissance, Renaissance girl. You have, the, you have the temperament for a director. I'd love to get directed by you. Someday. I've heard myself because yeah. when I narrate, I'm very, I'm very nice to everyone. I don't know why, because I don't actually like what they're doing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, lovely, it's beautiful, that's gorgeous, that's fantastic, keep going. You know, this is like, uh, and I'm like, when I hear it afterwards, I'm, I'm so sweet to everyone, and I'm thinking, fucking, why the fuck? is your iPhone on your lap and I can't do anything because it's like in the middle of a shot mm-hmm. you know totally yeah but uh, I like that direction so um, good well we, we look yeah. forward to the continuing adventures of Victoria Harwood Butler-Sloss yes thank you no, so no, much no, for no, thank you for you. coming no, thank you it. for having me and all the pistachios and we've drunk what is it? A whole bottle of La Marca Prosecco. Among we, we three of us, it's hardly, yeah. it's hardly Just carousing. Just a little glass, yeah. and, a, <laughs> glass not, and a third. It's not blacksworthy. Yes, no, no. <laughs> and um, yeah. thank you, listeners, for listening to the podcast. Um, go at, go get the book. Read it. Yes, yeah, the, the seamstress seems- of Orpha, and you can get it. You can actually go into any bookstore that you are near, and they can order it for you. It's like you know, orderable. And, and many lovely independent bookstores carry it and yes. feature it and are yes. quite big fans. Or of just Round, take yeah. your phone out of your pocket and, and go, go to your Amazon and then you just get go the see the there tomorrow. And swipe uh-huh. to the right and then it'll come to your door. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.